with us. But this morning, as we take an opportunity to look to God's word, I also want us to take a moment and look back as this is the last Sunday in 2023. Next Sunday, we will be uh, here and it'll be 2024, a brand new year uh, with opportunities and excitement. And as we look back, uh, one of the things that I want us to talk about this morning and really just think through is your prayer life. How is your prayer life in 2023? Was it a a robust part of your life where you prayed big prayers and saw God show up in mighty ways? Or were you kind of lax in your prayer life this year? You had hopes of of growing in your prayer life and, and you had all the expectations of doing that and then like life happened and you got busy and uh, you didn't pray very much or maybe this year was a year of frustration. Right? Maybe you did pray and maybe you prayed for some specific things along the way and God didn't answer your prayers. Well, he didn't answer them in the way that you'd hoped that he would answer them. Right? You prayed the prayers and you're like, God, I need this, God, I need that. And he didn't answer him. It can be frustrating at times, right? When we, we pray because we know the Lord wants us to pray. And we pray and we ask for specific things and, and God doesn't answer them. It can be very frustrating. Especially when we understand the opportunity that we have in prayer. You know, last Sunday as we uh, completed our series in Emmanuel, taking a look at God with us. What does that provide for us? We looked at the fact that when Jesus came, he came and fulfilled the law. He lived in complete obedience to God's law, but then he also came to be a sacrifice for our sins. On the cross, Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice, providing forgiveness with us, but also he provided an opportunity for a relationship, a personal relationship with the God of the universe to be restored, giving us access to God as our Father. Right? And that's an amazing thing, to think about the fact that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, we get an opportunity through our faith in Jesus to call God Father. That's an amazing thing. That we have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That when we pray, we step into the heavenly presence of our Father and he gives us an ear that is eager to hear. That is an amazing thing. But yet, sometimes we go into that that prayer throne place of prayer and we're praying prayers to God and he doesn't answer in the way that we hope. It can be frustrating. Let me me see with a, a show of hands this morning. Did God answer all of your prayers this year in the way that you had hoped? Raise your hand if he did. Okay, good. Because he doesn't always do that. And it can be frustrating. And today I want to tackle the question, especially as we look at moving into 2024, my prayer is is that 2024 would be the year of prayer for us. That as a church, as a family, together, each one of us individually and collectively would grow in this area of prayer. For imagine how much transformation can take place if our prayer life increases this next year. Think about the number of relationships that could be restored this year. Think about the number of people that can come to faith this year through our prayers. And so I want us to spend some time when we come to this understanding, because it can be frustrating when we feel like God is not answering our prayers. Especially when we come to some scriptures like Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that says this. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And to the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or Mark 11, chapter, 20, chapter 11, verse 23 says this. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Right? We have those truthful scriptures that are absolutely true because they're contained in the word of God. And yet sometimes we pray and sometimes we ask, sometimes we seek, sometimes we knock, and that prayers are not answered in the way that we had hoped. So how is it that we can wrestle with Matthew 7 and Matthew or Mark 11, and yet that's not our experience? Well, I think there's a key when we take a look at the heart behind our prayers. Right? And, I, and I, we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 6 today. And what we're going to see in Scripture as we try to unpack this question, why doesn't he always answer our prayers the way we want? I want us to understand that God answers prayers for our good and for his glory. Right? That's, God always answers your prayers. But it may not be in the way that you had hoped. It may not be in the way that you had prayed but know that God answers your prayers because he's a good father who hears you. He answers them in the way that is for your good and for his glory. Now we're gonna pack this together as we, we walk through Matthew 6 today. As we come to the text today, I want us to, to understand that uh, the text that we're gonna look at today actually comes in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is giving him one of his greatest sermons, one of his longest sermons, as he's laying out the kingdom of God, what it looks like, and how one enters into the kingdom of God. But then he gets into a middle portion around chapter 6 into 7, where he's focusing in on what it means and what it will mean to live the Christian life. What does it look like for someone to follow Jesus? And so in chapter 6, he's talking about when we, um, how do we live out in our giving and then he talks about uh, the practices of the Christian life, so giving, praying, fasting, how we deal with our possessions and how we avoid anxiety. That's all in chapter 6. But today I want to focus in on Jesus as he's teaching about, in the Christian life, how do we pray. And so we begin, let's look in verse uh, 5 of chapter 6. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So I think the first truth that we see in this passage is that prayer is about knowing God, not getting from God. Right? Prayer is about knowing God, not getting from God. <clears throat> Jesus, as he's teaching here, talks about the hypocrites. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't, don't pray like that, because there are, are some that have a heart of a hypocrite, that a hypocrite is someone that says one thing and does another. 
In this sense, what he's talking about, there are those that are hypocrites that, that step out into the public forum, in the synagogues, and they, they pray these big prayers, and they, they want the attention to be drawn to themselves, or they go out to the street corner, and they're praying these big, loud prayers, hoping that people will look at them and see their religiousness, and see their righteousness, and think to themselves, man, that person's got it all together. But Jesus says, don't pray in that way. The, the motive in your prayer is important. The, the, your heart when you pray is important. Now, Jesus is not teaching against public prayer. Public prayer is important. We gather on Sunday morning, we pray, and, and that's good. Uh, that's a part of our prayer life is to, to pray in public and to pray corporately. But what Jesus is talking about here is the heart of prayer. He says, instead, one of the ways that you cultivate a deep prayer life is not necessarily in the public, like a, a hypocrite does, but instead, do it in private. Right? There, there's sociologists talk about the two parts of our lives. There's the, the front stage of our lives, and then there's the backstage of our lives. Now, the, the front stage of our life is, is where many times we, we live the life that we want people to see about us. We live in such a way so that we give a perception of who we are to the people that are around us. Now, the challenge becomes when our backstage life and our front stage life conflict. When we're different when we're by ourselves than we are in public. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying when those two aren't matching up, you run the risk of being a hypocrite. Instead, Jesus says, first, before you focus in on your front stage life, focus in on your backstage life. Before you stand before people and you, you begin to, to pray and you begin to show to, to be presented in public, make sure that you're praying in private. And so he says, he says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. There's something intimate there's something powerful, there's something authentic about getting away from the crowd, getting away from the noise of our life, and spending time with God in prayer. Jesus even modeled this in his, in his own ministry. Jesus prayed corporately, Jesus prayed with his disciples, but Jesus also got away. We see this several times in scripture, that in the midst of the craziness of his ministry, Jesus got away to pray with his heavenly Father. He knew that he couldn't do the ministry of the work that God had before him unless he was spending time with his heavenly father. So his prayers were done in secret. He got away to be with his heavenly father so that he could communicate and commune with his father in heaven. See, the power of God in prayer or his reward says comes in secret. Sometimes we don't want to take the time to cultivate that intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. Instead, we want to throw up prayers throughout our day, which aren't bad, but sometimes the heart behind them is we see God kind of like a genie in a bottle, right? Where, where we want to rub the lamp and have him appear and just say, hey, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this, and you just come with a list of things. You don't really want to know God. You just want him to do what you want him to do. Right? You're like, I have these needs. Fulfill them. 
Or sometimes, I know my selfish heart sometimes wants to treat God like a magic eight ball. You guys remember those? Where you're like, what should I do today? Should I, should I go and eat pizza or should I eat healthy? Right? Undutably so, right? Or different sayings. That's how we want God to act. We, we don't really want to know God. What we do is we just want to know what we're supposed to do and we want him to step in and we want him to answer our prayers just like that. But that's not the way God works. God is not a microwave. God is a crock pot. Imagine that. Kids are like, what? What's he saying? Right? God does not just 30 seconds answer the prayer. No, God wants us to know him. God wants us to spend time with him, stewing and marinating with him, with our prayers, right? And I I love how James talks about this too. He talks about prayer in the, the fourth chapter of James. He says this, you do not have because you do not ask. But when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions, right? The hypocrite was praying in such a way so that people would see him as religious, as someone that was special. So he was praying selfishly, in a selfish way. And James tells us, you don't have because you're not asking, right? So if, if, you're, not, if you're not asking, you're not going to receive. So if you're not praying, you're not going to receive. But then he goes on, he says, when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motive. Your heart is misplaced. In prayer, you don't really want to know God. You just want him to do your bidding. Praying is about knowing God, not getting from God. We, if your prayers aren't being answered in the way that you wanted them to, maybe it's because you don't really want to know God. Maybe you just want him to do your bidding. And he can't, he can't answer those. Here, here's the beauty of prayer, that it gets, how it gets cultivated. I remember when I was younger, we got word that my grandmother was sick, and I was young enough that I didn't really understand what it was, uh, but I knew that there was a risk that she would pass. And so I immediately went to the Lord, and I, I was like, oh, God, heal my grandma. God, heal my grandma. God, heal my grandma. Heal her. God, heal her. Heal her. And as I continued to pray, I prayed that over and over and over again. Every single day, I prayed to my grandmother that God would heal her, and it seemed like God was not answering my prayers because she wasn't getting any better. In fact, she was getting worse. And as I continued to pray with the Lord, God began, because I'm spending time with him in my quiet place, God began changing my heart. Because in that prayer, he was, he was helping me see that what my prayers I was praying for were selfish. I didn't want my grandma to die because I didn't want to be lonely. Right? I didn't care about God's will. I don't, I don't care about how her life fit into his greater plan. I just didn't want to lose my grandma. So God, please save her. God, please save her. And then over time, my prayers began to change. Oh, God, grant her peace. God, give her, give her just a sense of your peace. Be with her. Call her home in the right time. Please don't allow her to suffer. And may, with every breath that she has, may her life bring you glory. That's how my prayers have changed over time. And then when she passed, 
There wasn't this frustration with God because God had transformed my prayers. Because I'd spent the time with him. Because in the end, I wanted to know him and I wanted him to have his way in her life because she belonged to him. She didn't belong to me. Does that make sense? Right? So sometimes we can get so frustrated because God, it's not like, God's not like a one-to-one God where we're like, I pray this, he does that. No. The world does not revolve around you. You're a small piece and a larger picture of God's plan of redemption. And yes, you play a part. And yes, God knows you. Yes, God cares for you. But the world does not revolve around you. You are not God. God is God. And the whole idea about prayer is for us to encounter God. And when you come to him, As a father, when you step in, we're going to see this in a minute, when you step into that space and you're like, Dad, Father, I need help. He's like, okay, all right, bring it, bring it on. He listens to us and he hears us. So first, when we pray, sometimes our prayers are not answered because we aren't trying to know God, but we're trying to get from God. Second, Prayer is going to your heavenly father as a child. Look with me at verse 7. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So Jesus gives us another example of how not to pray. He says, prayer is not about performance. It's not about repetition. It's not about doing your prayers in a religious way where you recite some rote prayer over and over and over again. Where just by the amount of words, you move the heart of God. Don't just babble. Don't just give words. But in this, in verse 8, we see that when we come to God as our Father, there are two significant things about that first We're coming to God who is all-wise, all-powerful, who is a good father, who is in control of all things. That's who we're addressing when we come to prayer. Where you and I are limited in our wisdom, when you and I are limited in our power, we come to an unlimited God as our father. And when we come to him in prayer, we come to him as a father. Like, Like a child that cries out when they're hungry, they're like, Hot dog or food, eat, right? If you have a little, little child that, that communicates that as a parent or a, a caretaker, <clears throat> what are you going to do? You know that they're hungry, so that you're going to come and you're going to give them food, even in the limitedness of their language, right? They're not coming to you and saying, well, Father, at this time, I would like... A gourmet hot dog split down the middle, cut into quarters with a little bit of ketchup and a little bit of mustard to the the temperature of 67 degrees, right? That's that's not what, no, it's just simple, right? Come into God as your father and just like, as a child, we know this. And so God wants us to come to him as a father. Second, when we come to him as a child, we come dependent on, on our Father. 
We go to him with a sense of humility and a sense of dependence. That's what God loves about us. When we come to him with our hands up saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. That's when he is, his heart is moved. Because the same grace that saves us, right? That, that moment you come to salvation when you throw your hands up and you're like, Lord, save me. And he does. The same grace that's present at salvation is the same grace that sustains us every single day of our lives. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need even before we ask it. I think a, a good illustration of this, and Jesus further identifies the, this um, call to prayer as Heavenly Father. Later in chapter 7, Jesus gives us an earthly example of God's heart when we pray. He says this in chapter 7, verse 9. He says, Or which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good, good things to those who ask of him? The Father in, our Father in heaven wants to give us good gifts. Right? And he, we know, as, as a parent... We want to give our kids good things, like we don't want them to have bad things. But sometimes we as children, I know this in my, my own experience, my children come to me and they ask for a serpent. Am I going to give them a serpent? <coughs> Heck no, I'm not giving them a serpent. I'm going to give them good things because that's what they need. And sometimes, sometimes my kids ask for serpents. And sometimes we go to our Heavenly Father and ask for serpents as well. Right when we don't really need a serpent, but we're coming to him asking for something that's dangerous or something that's harmful. And instead, God doesn't give us a serpent. Instead, he gives us fish. And sometimes we complain. God, I didn't ask for a fish. God, I asked for a serpent. I want a serpent, God. God, I want a serpent. God, I want a serpent. And he's like, no, I'm giving you a fish. I'm going to give you a fish. I'm going to give you a fish. Because he's a good father who is more wise than you and I. And sometimes what we pray for is actually dangerous for us, even if it seems reasonable. Right? You may go to God and you're like, hey, God, I've been single a long time. I want a husband. I want a wife. I need a husband. I need a wife. And you're like, God, why are, why are you not answering that prayer? You're not a good God anymore. And then someone comes in our path and we're like, well, this person's nice. Let's, let's do this and let's, let's be with this person and let's, let's kind of walk down this path and see how that, that pans out. And, and inevitably, God's like, no, that's not the one I have for you. Right? Because sometimes we ask for the wrong thing. It's not wrong to, to pray for a spouse if you're single and you have the desire to be married. That, that's a good thing to pray for, but give it to God in his timing and in his plan and trust. When we pray, sometimes we pray for terrible things. And God's not going to give us terrible things. Because this is how it works. I love how Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. He says, he's talking about prayer. And he says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep, groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So let me put this into perspective. So according to uh, what Jesus is saying is that your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask. Your Heavenly Father wants to give you good things. Sometimes we don't ask for good things, and we ask for selfish things, and we ask in selfish ways, and we come to God in that way. But what Paul is telling us is that when we pray, the Spirit of God that is inside of us, interceding to our Heavenly Father, knowing our minds, knowing our hearts, knowing what we need, and the Spirit is communicating to the Father uh, in the will of God. So that our prayers are answered. He takes our prayers that we pray and what's at the heart of the prayer and communicates that to God so that God answers the prayer what we need, not necessarily what we want. Does that make sense? And so what we need and what we want may be two separate things. And the Spirit is interceding on our behalf so that God steps in and answers our prayer. So just as every... Every earthly father doesn't grant every request made by his children. Our heavenly father knows what is best for our spiritual development. And sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we pray to a heavenly father who is above us in wisdom. And his plans are better than our plans. And his desires for our lives are different than the desires that we have for our lives. So our greatest thing is not to stop praying, but to continue to pray, to continue to cultivate that deep, intimate relationship with the Lord, but also trust in the plans that God has for us. So in this passage, God is also, or Jesus has also showed us two ways not to pray, but then he goes in and shows us the way to pray. The third truth that we see in this passage today is that prayer focuses on God and transforms us. Look with me in verse 9. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their, tra- their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I love how Jesus gives us this model to pray. And I want to remind you that this model for prayer is specifically designed for that intimate time when you have closed the door and you've said, okay, Lord, I want to encounter you. I'm shutting out all the things in my life. He's, I'm not talking about the, the prayers when... In 1 Thessalonians, when Jesus says, pray without ceasing, right? Those, those, we are continuing to call up prayers to heaven throughout our days, throughout our lives. We're continuing asking the Lord to intercede in situations, give us wisdom when we're needed. That's true, and we are to do that, but it begins here in the secretness, in the quietness, in our prayer closet with the Lord where we're encountering him. And when we take that time, this is the model that Jesus gives us to pray. Not specifically the exact prayer to pray, but a great model to pray. And I'm going to walk you through um, the model of this prayer with the remaining time that we have together so that we can know how it is that God's heart 
or God wants our heart to be cultivated so that when we enter into prayer time with him, that we um, know that he will be with us. So it begins with the first petition. Our Father who art in heaven. Again, it's this idea of being reminded who we're approaching. We're approaching our Father who loves us, who knows us, who even knows our needs before we ask them. But our Father that wants to hear from us. So it's this invitation. Our Father who art in heaven. So it reminds us where he's located. Right, God is in heaven. He sat down on his throne because his work is uh, being completed. He's completely sovereign. He's completely wise. And so we're coming to him as God our Father who is in heaven. And the second petition is, hallowed be thy name. It's a, it's a request from our hearts of understanding the holiness of God. Again, who it is that we're approaching, that God's holiness would be made known in our hearts, that God's holiness would be made known in our situations, that God in his um, holiness and his honor would come to his name in everything that's done. Thy kingdom come. It's, it's requests for the lordship of God to be done here on things of the earth. Right? The whole uh, movement of God is towards his kingdom. God's kingdom grows in the hearts of people as people turn from their selfishness and surrender to Jesus Christ. That kingdom grows, but it's the kingdom of lordship. So when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, we're praying, Lord, your plan, your renown, your glory, your lordship over these situations, may it come. Then we pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? We know that in heaven, everything happens according to God's will. God, God is continually being worshipped and God is continually being honored and, and God's plan and his sovereignty is being experienced completely in heaven. But on earth, his will is not always done in the same way that it is in heaven because we all have free will. We're all running around doing our own things. And so the prayer is, is that God's will be done in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Right, so when we, we pray to God, we, we don't pray, God, my will be inserted in this situation, but God, your will be experienced and your will be known so that we can surrender to that will. So God's will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a, a petition to the Lord to care for our needs. God, I, I, I have this need, I have this uh, longing in my heart uh, so we can bring those petitions to him in this part of the prayer. Give us our daily bread, that which we need to sustain us for life and for ministry and for your glory. The next petition is to forgive us our debts as we forgive our others. Right? We, we have an acknowledgement of our own limitations and our own shortcomings and our own failures where we bring those to the Lord and we're like, Lord, please forgive me for this. Forgive me for my impatience. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my lust. Forgive me for these things. But then it's a prayer to help us forgive others that have come in and harmed us and done evil to us or done hurtful things to us. We spend time praying, God, forgive those who have done will ill will towards us but then it's also a prayer the petition to lead us not to temptation 
realizing that at any moment in our lives, temptation's right there to take us away, to get us to, to take our eyes off of Jesus and help us focus in on other things. So we pray, God, help me not give in to temptation. For temptation is everywhere around us. So God, lead us not to temptation, but also the next petition is to deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Help us to not, even though evil is all around us, God, deliver us from it. Protect us from the evil outside forces. So in our prayers, after we descend and we communicate our needs, we communicate our troubles, we communicate our limitations, I love how uh, the prayer is is finished off in uh, other translations. It says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So once we communicate our needs, our our limitations, and our troubles, we come back and remind ourselves that God is in his heavenly throne, sovereignly overlooking everything and intimately working all things out for his glory and our good. And what would it be like in your life if you said, as we begin 2024, I'm gonna spend time every day just with the Lord, praying in this way. Not not, not 45 minutes necessarily, but what if you just began with five minutes? Five minutes in the beginning of your day, you you got to a, a quiet place, a safe place in your home, and you just prayed, and you walked through, praying like this, and then allowing that prayer time to grow and allowing that prayer time to grow. And then you continue to go deepen in your walk with the Lord. Maybe this year, maybe this would be a good idea for, for some of you. Get it like a prayer journal, right? Get, get a little notebook where you just begin praying or writing out some of your prayers to the Lord. The things that you're asking for. The things that you need in your life that, that as you're praying. And see over the course of this year how those prayers that you prayed on January 1, 2024. How they on, on January 30 or December 31st next year, 2024. You go back and you spend time looking at your prayers over the years. Seeing how the Lord has answered them. And how God has changed them. And how God has changed your heart towards some of those situations. Because more than likely, not all of your prayers will be answered this year. I pray that they are. Um, but they're more than likely, they're not going to be. Some prayers God does answer instantly, but many times God's prayers are uh, taken over time because he wants to change us and transform us. So, why doesn't God answer our prayers all the time? Well, he does answer them. But it's not always the way we want him to answer them. Because sometimes we ask with the wrong motives. Sometimes we ask selfishly. And sometimes we ask for things that really aren't good for us. And so God, who is all wise, all loving, all caring, is interceding and interacting with all of our prayers. And he's bringing all things for his glory and our good in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer. And Father, I know from my own personal life, the frustration that comes in what seems to be unanswered prayers. And Father, as we do the work of praying with you and wrestling with our prayer life and our needs and our desires and all of that stuff, God, we thank you that it's a gift that we walk through. Even the frustration of not knowing why our prayers aren't being answered in the way that we want to, 
we grow in our love for you. So Father, I pray today that as we've talked about prayer, that you would reignite a fire and a desire for each one of us to pray. Help us to look to you more and more um, every day of this coming year. And may we see you move mightily as you transform us from the inside out. Now as we worship you, Father, I pray that the words that come out of our mouths would be a reflection of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.